Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you have had fantastic weekends. I know that I did. We got a lot of different things to dive into as we roll throughout the Monday edition of the program. Uh, Right off the top, and I know a lot of these games are going on right now. Every year for the past several years, I have come to this conclusion, and every year I'm further convinced that I am in the right here. And that is, right now, right now, college baseball is the most underrated sport that is phenomenal in the entire country. Uh, Now, not saying it's the best sport, all right? Most underrated sport. And today, and a lot of you are probably watching, but also a lot of you probably didn't know this, there are at least nine different games that are elimination games A lot of these games are going on right now as I speak to you, involving big brands, lots of talented teams uh, going on all day today, nine of them, potentially 10, depending on what ends up happening in the Arizona Ole Miss game and whether they have to play two games. Unbelievable. I've been watching the Stillwater Stillwater region, the Oklahoma State games uh, against Arkansas. Anything can happen in these games. I mean, it is it is unbelievable. Uh, and so my pitch to you is this. If you are bored, and look, there's not a lot of great sports on right now. I like Major League Baseball, but Major League Baseball in June and July, uh, especially you know this time of year, we're a third of the way through the season. Is anything really going to change, likely, based on what happens in one of these games? I tell you to t- check out college baseball today and then check out the Super Regional and the College World Series. The month of June, to me, should be way better promoted than it is in terms of how much fun these games are to watch. I love the exuberance of the players. Uh, If you are someone who thinks baseball sometimes is boring, uh, the amount of runs being scored, the amount of just sheer chaos that can happen in an individual game is off the charts. And so... Uh, If you're not watching, I would encourage you to check it out all day today. Nine different elimination games that are going on. And uh, I think if you do, uh, you will really enjoy it. Um, Several other things I want to get into here. Um, So anyway, college baseball, I watched it all weekend long. I watched it with my kids. We had a fantastic time uh, watching all of that. Uh, I have a column up. Today, If you haven't checked it out, maybe I'll talk about it in more detail tomorrow because I'll still give people an opportunity to go read that column. Uh, But it argues that the SEC teams should consider spinning off the football teams and becoming a for-profit business now that we're in this new era where recruits are able to sell their labor 
and then players are able to sell their labor. And let me make it clear that this is not going to be a let's put the genie back in the bottle situation. When you really break this down, you can sell uh, your football talents as a high school junior or senior, somebody signing as a recruit. You can then go into the transfer portal after your freshman or sophomore year and demand another new contract and go to a new team. And then if you graduate, you can get grad transfer exemption. So in the space of four years, in theory, you could play for three different teams and you could auction off your services, sell your labor, uh, your football talents, to the highest possible bidder three times. And I don't think most people realize what the consequences of this is going to look like because use the NFL for an example. You get drafted by an NFL team in the first round, you're locked up for five five years before you hit free agency and can consider where you might go play going forward. In four years, you can be a free agent now in college football three different times. And so my argument in this piece is that in order to avoid antitrust regulation, and basically the Supreme Court has let it be known uh, that restricting compensation to only a scholarship and and giving cost of attendance uh, stipends and all these other things is not allowed because it is an antitrust violation. The only way to avoid most antitrust violations in a sports context is by collectively bargaining with a union of player representation. So my argument is the only way really to effectively end all of the chaos in college athletics as the proverbial Berlin Wall has come down is to spin these university teams off. And the analogy that I use is this has happened a lot with university hospitals, which are for-profit businesses. Uh, And I think if you start to look at the details, it makes a lot of sense going forward. But I'll talk about it in more detail tomorrow. In the meantime, open mind, go read that piece. I'm not saying that it's the end-all be-all, but I haven't seen anyone else write this piece. I haven't seen anyone else discuss it, and I think it's very worthy of discussion. Um, Phil Mickelson, this news just came down from the New York Post uh, in the last few minutes. Phil Mickelson is going to join the Live Tour. This is the Saudi Arabian Golf Tour, which is starting this weekend on Thursday in London. Dustin Johnson has joined it. Uh, Sergio Garcia, a bunch of different PGA players. And I read a big piece uh, in the Washington Post, I believe it was, about Greg Norman, the shark, and he's heading it up as the, uh, as the individual who was in charge of it. He said that Tiger Woods, by the way, turned down a high nine-figure guarantee to be willing to be aff- affiliated with the Live Tour. And this is a big battle now between the PGA and the Live Tour. And the argument that Greg Norman is making is that golfers deserve the right to be free agents and go and sell their labor to the highest bidder as opposed to all being restricted to the PGA Tour. And this Saudi Arabian upstart is, uh, is starting to sign some fairly talented players. And so here's what I would say in general. I think it's crazy that Phil Mickelson got more criticized for discussing joining this Saudi tour than Joe Biden is getting criticized for traveling to Saudi Arabia to uh, try and get them to pump more oil and gas so that our prices will come back down in the United States. 
In other words, my position is pretty straightforward. If you want to claim to be a woke corporation in the United States, you should live up to those values around the world. And if you claim to be a woke person in the United States, you should live up to those values around the world. But if you simply say, hey, I'm a business, I'm a businessman, and I am going to try to maximize my revenue and my profit all around the world, and sometimes that might mean that I do business with countries that have values that are different than those that exist in the United States, so long as you are doing so in a legal manner, I have no issues with that at all. What I have issues with is when you lecture us about how awful American institutions and American values are, and then you say nothing at all about other countries while pocketing tons of money. So I have no issue with Phil Mickelson going to Saudi Arabia. I don't have an issue uh, with uh, Phil Mickelson going to Saudi Arabia because to my knowledge, he's never lectured me about his politics. If the NBA hadn't pulled the All-Star game out of Charlotte, North Carolina over a transgender bathroom bill, I would have no issue with them going to the United Arab Emirates or to China. But when you lecture me about having woke politics and how you won't stand for things to exist like this in the United States, but then you won't say a word, looking at you, LeBron James, about basic human rights being disrespected in many of the countries in which you are making money, then you are a hypocrite, okay? So I think if you're going to criticize anyone in terms of Saudi Arabia, it would be Joe Biden because he said he was not going to interact with Saudi Arabia because in his opinion, uh, Saudi Arabia is a pariah state. And then you simultaneously are, as soon as you need something, going off to Saudi Arabia and begging for their help. So I have no issue with Greg Norman. I have no issue with Dustin Johnson. I have no issue with uh, Phil Mickelson or any of Sergio Garcia, any other, Graham McDowell, any other of these top golfers looking at their available options on the table and picking the one that makes the most sense for they and their family from an economic perspective. Moreover, and I think Charles Barkley was the first person to say it, almost everybody goes wherever they get more money. That's how capitalism works. Uh, Charles Barkley said that a lot of athletes always want to say, oh, I'm going to pray on it, and then I'm going to go wherever God tells me I should go. And then his perspective is, hey, it's amazing how often God tells those athletes to go to whoever offers them the most money. Our first guy I remember saying this was Reggie White, who was a legitimate reverend, a great defensive end, ended up going to the Green Bay Packers as a free agent, and he said God was going to lead him to the right choice God let him to take the most money. That's fine, but I don't have any problem with anybody. Athletes, radio show hosts, television show hosts, plumbers, uh, uh, anybody who's employed out there, uh, lawn care people, uh, doctors, engineers, lawyers, make whatever decisions you think can maximize your overall revenue and profit for your family. And if the Live Tour is willing to guarantee way more money to professional golfers than the PGA Tour is, well, why in the world wouldn't you consider it? Uh, It's not like the PGA is perfect. Uh, And if I could make more money uh, from going to a different organization, that's what I would do. Almost all of you out there listening to me right now, 
if you got a substantially more job offer from another company in order to do the same job, most of you would leave too. So I don't begrudge anybody making this choice. And I don't begrudge any company that makes this choice. What I think is, uh, is infuriating is when those companies lecture us about how woke they are in the United States and then they turn a blind eye to all woke-related issues in another country. Uh, so I think the Live Tour is going to give a real run to the PGA Tour. And I don't have a problem with the fact that the Live Tour is being funded by uh, Saudi Arabian interests. Just like, by the way, I don't have a problem with Saudi Arabian interests buying into uh, team ownership in, let's say, the English Premier League. Um, you know, what I have an issue with is hypocrisy. If somebody values your labor more than somebody else, to me, you should take the opportunity to go to the place that offers you the most possible money. We'll be right back in a moment, but first, this break. Celtics Warriors going on. Uh, Warriors came out, dominated, took control in game two. Worth noting, game one, lowest rated June game one of the NBA Finals in 15 years. And the NBA's three lowest rated years consecutively in the last 25 years are all in the last three years. One third as many people watched Warrior Celtics game one as watched Michael Jordan play with the Chicago Bulls in 1998, the last NBA Finals the Bulls were involved in. Sorry, Jazz fans. In the space of basically 24 years, the NBA has lost two-thirds of its NBA Finals viewership as it pertains to the number of people watching. How did that happen? Well, I think the NBA went woke, and I think they've run away from what was their brand, which was, let's entertain everybody. NBA action is fantastic. Why did that happen? I think on a large scale, it's because LeBron James was frustrated, recognized that he was never going to be as popular as Michael Jordan, and decided to embrace a brand shift and try to turn himself into the modern-day Muhammad Ali so he would continue to have relevancy after his NBA career is over. The big difference here, of course, is that LeBron James hasn't really stood for anything controversial ever. Modern-day Muhammad Ali statements would be LeBron James coming out and saying, I don't care how much money it costs me. I believe in human rights all around the world, including in China. That's what Muhammad Ali would do. He would take a controversial stand and he would stand for something bigger than himself. Whether you know it or not, when Muhammad Ali decided that he was not going to join uh, and be a part of the Vietnam War draft, that was an incredibly controversial decision. Incredibly controversial. And he's since been proven right by history. LeBron James hasn't taken any stand at all All he's done is say whatever he thinks makes him the most money in every country, and that has led to lecturing us on woke politics in America and shutting up and dribbling in China. And so I think that overall storyline has destroyed much of the goodwill that existed for the NBA. Um, And the NBA is going to have to work hard to rebuild their brand, and I think they need the LeBron James generation to shuffle off the court and try to build around guys like Giannis and Luka 
going forward with the idea being maybe Giannis and Luka, even though they're both foreign, can be a modern-day version of Magic and Larry building up towards another great generation of, uh, of basketball talent. But that is where we are right now. Big story out of Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, five players on that team refused to wear the pride flag on their uniforms as Tampa Bay Rays uh, members because they said it conflicts with their religious beliefs. So they have no, no problem with the decisions that are being made by individuals in America to celebrate pride or to be gay or, uh, or trans, uh, transgender or whatever. Uh, they have no issue with that. This is going to be a very intriguing story to see how it plays out. Because by and large, the sports media, which is far left-wing, rips to shreds anyone who dares to have an opinion that is not in the far left-wing arena. Um, I understand these guys' perspectives. And I think it's far braver, regardless of what your perspective is, to be willing to do this than to simply meekly acquiesce and wear the flag uh, on your sleeve. Now, personally, I probably would wear it. I wouldn't have any issue with it. But I also would not have any issue with anyone who chose not to do it. Because I think that should be your right to make that choice as it pertains to your uniform. Um, And so this is going to be a really fascinating story to follow to see whether or not left-wingers in sports media are willing to allow conservative, in some way, religious-based political opinions in, uh, in terms of these players' decisions, while saying that Colin Kaepernick is a hero for all of the political statements that he's making. Um, so, And this also is different to me than making a political statement because they're choosing to just have their uniform be normal, Right. They're not trying to make any political statement at all. They're just trying to say, hey, I just want to wear a regular Tampa Bay Rays uniform, um, and we will see what exactly ends up happening there. Today, 78th anniversary of D-Day. 78 years ago today, uh, the bravest generation, the greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw labeled them, kids stepped off of those transports in uh, Normandy, and into a hail of gunfire on the beaches there being delivered by Nazis on the hills above. I talked about this on Memorial Day, that one of the greatest experiences of my life was getting to spend an entire day driving around Normandy with a personal tour guide to be able to see all those battlefields and actually understand the geography and the tremendous bravery that these kids showed and I say kids because a lot of them were 18 and 19 years old, to step off into the surf, into those hail of gunfires being delivered by Nazis. And what I would say is, 78 years later, think about the world that we live in now where instead of actual Nazis, thankfully all of those men beat the Nazis and saved the world from totalitarianism. Instead of actual Nazis, many people now sit around labeling those who have opinions different than them in a political arena, Nazis. Think about where we've moved from in 78 years, where we've gone from as a country fighting actual Nazis and bringing freedom to all the people around the world to 
mostly far left wingers in this country constantly denigrating anyone who disagrees with them as Adolf Hitler or a Nazi. It's a pretty remarkable transition that we have seen occur. And one of the questions I've been asking for a long time, do we still have the will to fight legitimate Nazis? I just want you to think about that. Do the 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds of the United States still have the same bravery in the event that we were called upon to have to fight for real freedom using violence of our own to respond to violence? Are you confident that if we instituted a draft in this country that the men, mostly the men, in this country who are 18 and 19 and 20 years old would show up and serve as bravely as those soldiers did 78 years ago? I bet a lot of you are like me. You're not as confident as you would like to be that our country can actually back up words with manpower, that our arsenal of democracy may not be anywhere near as strong as it was 78 years ago. I hope that you have had the good fortune to meet uh, World War II veterans. I certainly have had the good fortune to be able to go to the World War II museums. Uh, I've been able to talk to veterans in my own family about their service in World War II. I've been able to meet, fortunately, a lot of different veterans who served in World War II. And on this day, the 78th anniversary of D-Day, salute to all of you. And if you are fortunate enough to have a family member who is, uh, who is still alive that fought in World War II, I hope you will take the time or a friend or someone else's family member to say thank you for those men and what they did to preserve freedom in this country. Uh, much less serious, uh, I went and spent the weekend, by and large, watching Stranger Things 4. The first seven episodes, anyway. I know there's two more episodes to come. Uh, My verdict in general, very scary. A lot scarier if you've got young kids, way scarier this season than the past several seasons. Uh, Sadie Sink, incredible actress. She plays Max. Uh, I thought that, and I'm trying not to give any any plot points away, I thought that uh, the, uh, the story in Russia dragged on for too long. And I thought the 11 story dragged on for too long. But the kids in Hawkins, Indiana, remain the heartbeat of this show, the nostalgic factor of these Duffer brothers and their ability to put on a tremendous program is absolutely fantastic. I think that all of you will enjoy this uh, if you have the opportunity to, uh, to check it out. I'm looking forward to the final two episodes of season four. And then I think they've already announced that they're going to have a season five as well. Finally, we had mass shootings uh, in Philadelphia and Chattanooga, among other places, over the weekend. And a lot of NBA players and coaches wore in gun violence shirts. Here's what I would say in general. Why can't we try to end violence? And if that is the goal, it's an important conversation to have. Mass shootings, if we eliminated every single mass shooting in this country, which I would love to do, we would still have 99% of the murders occurring. So mass shootings are awful. They get a lot of attention. 
But even if we were able to wave a magic wand and end mass shootings in this country, we'd still have 99% of the violence occurring. So if athletes really want to have an honest conversation about violence in this country, I'd love to have that conversation. And in particular, I think it should involve two things that we need to do. One, we need to actually allow the police to do their jobs. Because if you go look right now, starting in 2020 with the George Floyd protest, the minute that those protests started, police got demonized and violent crime skyrocketed all over this country. It's not a coincidence to me that as soon as police got demonized and weren't able to do their job, and a lot of them decided to go ahead and retire as they were getting attacked, that the murder rates skyrocketed all over this country. And the group, by the way, that's bearing the biggest brunt of that murder increase is inner city residents who are overwhelmingly uh, black and Hispanic. So those are the biggest uh, losers in terms of lives being lost as a result of the massive increase in murder and violent crime over the last two years. Remember, 2020, murder went up 30% nearly, 29%, I believe. The largest single-year increase in murder on recorded history comparing 2020 with 2019. Things have since gotten worse in 2021, and it appears they've gotten still more worse in 2022. So number one, we need to stop demonizing police. I wish athletes would join me in doing that. And we need to call for more police in order to help combat rising levels of crime in our cities. Number two, we've got to start putting criminals behind bars. Okay, when uh, you want to argue that the mass incarceration state is uh, is unacceptable, that's an argument that is a luxury of a low crime era. I'm old enough to have lived through high crime eras and eras when we have totally attacked crime in the early 90s coming off the late 80s there was a belief that crime was going to continue to skyrocket it and go through the roof in terms of its overall impact. And then what do we do? We put more police on the streets and we put more criminals behind bars. It's not rocket science. The two ways that we put people back safe on the streets all over this country, more police and allow them to do their job, and we need district attorneys who are actually going to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law and put the bad guys behind bars. If we do both of those things, and by the way, this is something that white, black, Asian, and Hispanic people all overwhelmingly agree, then we know the overall violent crime rate in this country is going to come down. That's the two things we need to do. More cops able to do their jobs, and two, put people behind bars who are committing acts of violence. We have to stop demonizing police, and we have to stop this soft-on-crime era. If we do those two things, the data has overwhelmingly shown us going back in the 1990s exactly what will happen, which is crime will fall. Not complicated. Bigger picture. We need to have a national conversation. I would love for athletes to be a part of this too. We need to have a national conversation about the role of dads in society. Overwhelmingly, the kids who are committing acts of violence, first of all, they're all men, right? Young men. They're all masculine. I know you're not supposed to be able to tell the difference in genders all of a sudden, but uh, they're overwhelmingly male and they are overwhelmingly coming from homes without father figures inside. 
We don't know why this is exactly, because girls seem to grow up better in single-parent households than boys do, but boys are overwhelmingly failing in this country. Women are graduating from college at high rates. They are going on to get graduate degrees. I think 60% of all college graduates now are women. Only 40% are men, and those numbers are falling rapidly. Uh, And the number of violent crime that can be traced in some way to no fathers present in the household is massive. And by the way, athletes know this. Many athletes grew up as part of single-parent households. What's one of the first thing most athletes do when they become uh, parents is most of them want to be very involved in their kids' lives because they understand that's the best way to help ensure that their kids grow up as productive members of society. We need more of them speaking out. We need more people speaking out in athletics if they truly want to end violence against the demonization of police in favor of violent criminals being put behind bars and to speak out about the importance of fatherhood. Uh, All of those things would be massively important to helping to deal with the staggering increase that we're seeing in violent crime right now. All right. Hope all of you enjoy these college baseball games. I'm going to be kicking back watching a bunch of them all day today. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.